Welcome to the Brilliant Business Moms podcast, episode 125, with Sarah Kornack and Beth Ann Schwamberger. Today on the show, we're talking with Cindy Funk of the vintage Etsy shop, Nido Keen. Cindy specializes in vintage linens, especially tea towels, and her shop is so bright, colorful, and fun. Cindy has great advice for us today. So let's get started. You're listening to the Brilliant Business Moms podcast, practical business advice for startup moms. Today on the podcast, we are pleased to welcome Cindy Funk of the vintage Etsy shop, Nito Keen. Cindy specializes in selling vintage tea towels and linens. She has been in business since 2009 and has had almost 6,000 sales to date. Cindy lives in Illinois with her husband, and she has four children. Welcome to the show, Cindy. Thank you, Bethann and Sarah. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a big fan of your podcast, so it's a real treat for me to be here. Aw, thanks, Cindy. Could you begin by telling us a little bit more about yourself, your family, and your Etsy shop, Nito Keen? Sure. I live in Illinois, and I've been married for 34 years. My husband is really supportive of my business, which I'm appreciative of. I have four great kids, two boys and two girls, and they are all gone. I'm an empty nester. I have two that have graduated from college and are working in New York City, and two that are still in college. And my husband and I actually didn't have kids for nine years after we were married. So I had some kind of interesting jobs. I sold antiques, and I worked at Town & Country Magazine, and I was a a director at a a PR agency. And then we moved back to our hometown, and I had our four kids within six and a half years. So we decided it was best that I stay at home. And so I was a stay-at-home mom for 24 years, although I did have a little stint in there where I got a grant and taught art at my children's school, and that was fun. And so we all went to school together. And in about 2010, I started selling on Etsy, and I've been doing that ever since. And it's been nice to have something to do when my kids are away. Sounds like you've had a fun life, Cindy, lots of different experiences. So how did you decide that you were going to sell on Etsy? And then how did you choose vintage tea towels? as your specialty? Well, I started collecting vintage linens right after my father passed away. And I think I was attracted to them because they're kind of nostalgic and reminded me of the past. And uh, I started basically amassing them. (laughs) I bought way too many and had about two closets full from floor to ceiling. And I just opened the door one day and I thought, oh my gosh, I've overdone it. I need to reverse this process. And so I started looking for ways to sell them. And I thought that I was going to open up a booth in a local antique mall and got my name on a list and got accepted. And then lo and behold, they closed their doors. So that option was closed off to me. And then serendipity took over and I was watching Martha Stewart used to have a show on television And I was watching a segment, and there was this kind of quirky guy on there, and his name is Rob Palin, and he was, or Kalen, I think. I can't remember his exact name, but he was one of the founders of Etsy. And I heard him mention that in addition to selling handmade things, they sold vintage things. And so I signed up in 2009, and 
in 2010, I started putting a few things on and they started selling right away. And I thought, oh my gosh, this, there might be something to this. So in 2011, I wrote down on a, a piece of paper, I said, my goal this year is to sell 100 things. And that year I sold over 1,000 things. And so in 2011, I thought, okay, I think this you know, can be a legitimate business. And from then on, I started treating it more as a business instead of a, just a way to you know, sell off my collection. So that's how I got started. I love that story. So you had already had this interest, which kind of blossomed into a, a, a huge inventory all on its own. And so you set out to sell it and you created a business for yourself. I love that. That's right. And I sold most of my collection and then I started buying to sell. And, you know, that's kind of a, a different way of looking at things. You're trying to sell things, obviously, for a profit. And so I tried to be a little smarter about buying instead of just buying whatever I loved. <laughs> so when you're buying vintage linens, and because you specialize so much, your your field of what you sell is obviously more limited than if you were just vintage in general. So how do you source so many different vintage linens, especially tea towels that you specialize in? Well, it they are surprisingly kind of tough to find. I have found them anywhere and everywhere. I actually made a list of all the places I've ever found them. And I'll just read it to you quickly because I think it's kind of funny. It's garage sales, yard sales, church sales, flea markets, antique fairs, antique malls, thrift shops, estate sales. I've, of course, purchased online. I've purchased on eBay, online stores. And then my funniest source is my mailman. He actually is very into (laughs) antiques. And he... He's not interested in linens, so he just kind of picks up linens along his way. And then every once in a while, he'll call me and say, I have a bag for you to go through. And so I find them anywhere and everywhere. And I also, whenever I travel, even on family vacations, I try to sneak away and for an hour or so and, you know, visit an antique mall and see if I can find things. But I, I do have a hard time finding – it's not so much that I have a hard time finding linens. I have a hard time finding them in really good condition. Because my, I'm really particular about the condition that they come in. I want them to be mint or near mint condition. And, you know, I can find all kinds of things that have been washed, you know, several times. But I like to have them, I really like to have them with their tags on. That's my, my favorite thing to sell. It, it's a challenge to find the things. Yeah, I'm curious, Cindy, how much time would you say you spend each week looking for linens? I try actually, now that my kids are gone, I try to dedicate one day and I kind of do, I pick a, you know, a small town within driving distance and I just go out shopping and, and you'd be amazed how many antique malls are in central Illinois. So, and sometimes there's some, there's a flea market once a month, about an hour away. And I try to go to that every months and otherwise do some you know shopping online I find some things online occasionally but I'd say about you know one day a week do you have any dealers that are kind of on notice that if they find something that meets your specifications they they know to give you a call or exactly I have several of those (laughs) I, (laughs) I give my card out and I just let them know what I'm looking for and kind of try to describe it to them and yeah I've gotten a lot of people have contacted me so that's kind of nice 
Yeah, definitely. And to keep your your store well stocked and with lots of inventory, I mean, how many pieces are you hoping to find every week to keep your your shop well filled out? Well, it's funny. I it varies a lot. You know, sometimes I'll I'll walk into some place and I'll just you know I won't find anything and that's up to snuff. And sometimes I'll walk out with a big pile. So it really varies. You know. I have a hard time keeping my inventory up. I like to have about 250 things in my shop. And I just noticed this morning that I was down to 230. So I'm going to have to hit the road again and find some more more things to sell. (laughs) That's really impressive, though, you know, to hover around 250 items for, you know, vintage tea towels. That's that's amazing. Right. Well, I do sell some collectibles, too. And it's funny that you mentioned that because a couple of years ago, I thought, well, I, I was trying to figure out how to grow my business. And I thought that maybe I would start selling a variety of things. So I, for about six months, I really went out and purchased a lot of different collectibles. And because my thinking was that people would see these items come in and to my shop and maybe just add a tea towel on. But that really didn't happen. So they just bought their item and left. So I kind of felt like I was getting out of my comfort zone. I feel like I know linens really well. And I was having to do a lot of research on pricing and what the item was and was it worth anything. And, you know, I just so I I got up to about 500 items and I just felt like, number one, my office space was getting out of control. And I just felt, I don't know, like it was too much and I was getting out of my specialty. So I started selling all that stuff off. And this feels like about a really good number for me to have in my shop, about 250 items. So specializing helped you to feel more in control of your business. Do you think specializing also helps you to bring in more customers because they know exactly what they'll find in your shop? I do. I find that, you know, people turn to me a lot. They ask me a lot of questions about linens. A lot of other sellers ask me, you know, is this worth anything? What did you price it at? And I'm really happy to share information. I think, you know, it behooves everybody to support each other on Etsy. I think that's the great thing about Etsy. It's such a great community. So for me, I feel comfortable selling vintage linens. I feel like I know them well, and I have a lot of repeat buyers. That is nice. That's pretty much the backbone of my business. I do get new buyers all the time, but I do have a lot of people that come back over and over. And I've developed a lot of friendships because they have, you know, we share the same interests and the same passions. So, Cindy, I know on your About page, you mentioned that your items have been purchased by some pretty interesting people like illustrators, authors, theater and movie set designers, museums. Can you share a few stories from some of those customers? Sure. I won't get specific with names, but I think the funniest ones are the the prop masters from uh, movies and theaters. I've sold a couple tablecloths to one movie I can tell you I know starred Ben Affleck. I don't remember the name of the movie. I didn't ever see it to know if my tablecloth was in there. And then last month, I someone bought a paper tablecloth for a film they were doing up in Canada. And the one thing about the prop masters is, is they need their items yesterday. So, for example, this Canadian 
filmmaker needed this paper tablecloth, and I think it was $6 tablecloth, and then they paid $60 to ship it because <laughs> <laughs> really quickly, and I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. And then I sold to, you know, some museums. I try not to ask. I try not to pry, but I, you know, it's obvious that it's going to a museum because that's the address. And then I've sold to a couple celebrities, too, and I've actually had one pretty well-known celebrity come back three times, so... and. I can't tell the name, but <laughs> I wish yeah. I could. I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of fun. But I that is... play it cool, you know. <laughs> I kind of do a happy dance at home because it's fun. <laughs> that would be so fun. Yeah, for sure. So you've never – have you ever seen a movie where you know that was your tablecloth in it? Or since you haven't watched the Ben Affleck movie, you haven't had that experience No, I yet. haven't had that. I should go back and look at the conversation and see what the movie's name was and go back and watch it. Maybe I'll do that. You should. That would be so fun. <laughs> There's yeah. a vintage tablecloth hanging in a scene in The Help. And I swear it was one that I sold, but I, I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that's really neat now I think with the museums I think you could definitely ask and say oh well you know how is this being displayed or maybe I don't know I guess they're busy so asking for a picture maybe feels like a nuisance but I don't know I think it'd be it'd be yeah neat I, it would be neat to know whether it was in the collection or whether it was being used for research or I don't or display I don't know so. yeah I think that really bears witness to the quality that you're providing. If a museum is coming to you to purchase something, then clearly you have a great product and a great quality product as well. Oh, well, thanks, Sarah. I try hard. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have to say, Cindy, I'm not a vintage expert at all, but when I visit your shop, I'm so fascinated by all your tea towels. I mean, they are just the neatest designs and I'm totally drawn to the mid-century modern looking ones. And yeah, they're just so unique. I mean, I can definitely see the charm in those items and I'm not even, yeah, a vintage aficionado. Well, thank you. I mean, that's my my goal is to find really interesting designs full of pattern and color. And I think when you visit my shop, you can kind of, you tell that right away because there's a lot going on, <laughs> which is, you know, I, I guess it's kind of, I like to say it's almost anti-Etsy because you know how everything is shot on white backgrounds or a lot of people use white backgrounds. My, I, I do have a difficult time making it look clean and sleek, but then I, I've just come to the conclusion that that's really not what my shop is about. <laughs> it's very busy, full of pattern. Well, I think you're full of pattern shop. It it meshes well with your really cute shop uh, banner at the top. Like it all just really works together to give it that fun vibe well, rather than that, like you were saying, it's not the white background vibe, it's the fun vibe. It, I think it works really well together. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so for photography, you've chosen to do the up-close shot as your first shot rather than a further back shot. Yes, How- I've experimented and I found that, you know, if I got too far back and used a white background that you really couldn't tell what it was. I mean, it just looks like a piece of cloth. So I do try to pick out the details and that's usually my primary photograph. I really struggle. <laughs> that's kind of my Achilles heel is 
photography. You know, it's gotten better. I mean, I've learned how to edit my photos a little bit and brighten them up. And so, because it's often dark where I shoot, particularly right now during the winter. But yeah, I, I've experimented. And I think for me, the detail shot is, is the best shot. I think you're right. And again, it just, it draws in the eye and you can see what's going on in the, on the towel and you can see the whole unique, lovely scene. And I think you're right though, too, that, you know, for a lot of us as Etsy sellers, it takes testing and trial and error. And sometimes you really don't know what works until you put it up in your shop. And then I know this has happened for me so many times where I put a photo up in the shop and I think it's going to be the, that great cover photo. And then I see it on Etsy search and I'm like, ah, oh, no, that just doesn't, you know, doesn't stand out or doesn't quite work. So true. I mean, I'm I'm constantly rearranging my pictures or reshooting. And I mean, it's, you know, as you guys know, it's just always a work in progress. Never. I never feel like I get it quite right. But, you know, just do the best you can and <laughs> move on. Do you tend to have like a photography day where you're just one after the other, setting them up and photographing them and then moving on to the next to be more efficient with your photography? I wish I could say that, Sarah. <laughs> what I do is I, um, since I have more time in my days, I, I don't do a whole day of photography. I really try to list about three to five things, oh, you know, four or five days a week. And I take the pictures of just those items. And then I do the listing and so I like to block you know the time blocking like you, you talked about in your <laughs> your book it's really good for me because I, I I like to just do a few things at a time I feel like I I like to get it done from start to finish if that makes sense and yeah that definitely does and if that's the technique that works best for you where you're concentrating on those few listings at a time to get everything right, then I think that's great. And and also the whole listing a couple of items every day. I know Bethy Ann can speak to <laughs> <Yeah>. this <laughs> a little bit more, but but getting new items in your shop can I'm sure every day and spacing that out can really help in the search results. I think it does. And I always try if I don't have something new, I renew a few things. I think it's super important to, you know, keep yourself, I mean, it's difficult to get up there in the relevancy search, but at least keep yourself high up in the recency search. So, yeah, Beth Ann, I've learned a lot from you about SEO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. And yeah, and I, I, what I was about to say is recency will affect relevancy as well. So it actually, like it's one of those, you know, it's one of the factors that goes into how relevant your, your product is compared to everybody else around you. So yeah, I think renewing a few items every day, if, if you're not getting sales on a particular day, I absolutely agree with that strategy. Yeah, it, I think it works well. You know, SEO was something I was so afraid of for so long, and I finally... You know, by listening to you and reading the seller handbook, I have learned a lot about it. And I think it's helped. I have a lot more views than I used to. And, you know, I know views don't always mean sales, but it's always better to have a lot of views and favorites. I think that helps down the road eventually with sales. Yeah, I agree, Cindy. Those views and favorites are going to help. And 
yeah, it's always better. The more views you can get in your shop, the better, the more chance of, of having a customer for sure. Yeah, I think it's, you know, Etsy is such a slick website and it's so great because they provide you with so many stats that you can use. I mean, I really use my stats. I, I look at them on a daily basis. I see where, you know, it's nice you can see where your traffic sources are coming from. I look at the top keywords. I see which, you know, pages are most active and which listings are most active. And so I'm constantly, you know, messing around with my tags and my titles. And I just think it's, you know, it's always a work in progress. I, I don't think anybody ever gets it just right. So the more that I can learn about it, the better. Definitely, Cindy. And I agree. I, as soon as I think I have SEO down, I feel <laughs> like the algorithm like changes a little bit or my theory on, you know, oh, if I do this, then that will happen. Well, maybe it works in one listing, but then in the other listing, I'm kind of left like, hmm, okay. And so then, yeah, I mean, always testing, always tweaking. I mean, there are, there are definitely things I know for sure. But yeah, I'm always testing and trying to, I guess, like solve a little bit more of the crazy SEO puzzle. It is. It is a conundrum, I tell you. I have, you know, I try to, sometimes I list the same thing and put them in different categories just to see. <laughs> it's kind of fun to, I, I really think that another thing that's helped me is I've been using promoted listings for the past couple months and just the stats and the information that I've gotten from using promoted listings is really helpful because they, you know, they tell you what things are being searched by and I've really gotten a lot of sales from promoted listings. So it's really worked for me. But that's another thing you, that's kind of you have to, as you know, play around with the amounts, the daily budget that you have, and then the the bids. I mean, I thought that was a big learning curve for me. I really had to figure that one out. And I still haven't figured it out, but I'm trying. <laughs> so I, I'm so excited to hear that you're trying promoted listings. I'm I'm always testing those as well. Um, I'm curious, Cindy, if you don't mind sharing, what bid level seems to work for you in terms of you know getting Etsy to actually show your listing, getting clicks into your shop, but not spending so much that you know it's not worth the price. Right. Exactly. I ha I have my maximum daily budget set really high. I think I learned this from you, Beth. <laughs> and then I, most of my bids I keep on the automated, really low bids. But okay. then a few listings, they are more my more expensive listings, I put a pretty high bid on those. And I probably have about five items picked out right now. And boy, I see those. They come up in the first or second page every time. So it's really, I, and people, you know, they click on them. They might not necessarily buy that item, but they get to my shop that way. So I think it's really effective. And um, I didn't think so before. I have used promoted listings in the past and when it wasn't this bid system and I did not get the level of sales that I'm getting right now. So for me, they've been working, but it's a trial and error thing too. You've really got to experiment with it. So everything that I... I learned. I think I learned from you, Beth. <laughs> <So>, thank you. <laughs> oh, 
well, that's great to hear. And I'm glad that it's working for you. I, yeah, it's totally trial and error because I, I feel like some items Etsy will show and promote and they'll do great and I can bid super low and Etsy will continue to show the listing. And then other items, it's like, come on, Etsy, will you please show my item? And I'm like upping my bid and upping my bid and they still won't show it. And then eventually I have to just say, okay, this is not worth that price per click. So I have to just, you know, kind of move on to a right. different listing. Exactly. Yeah. I don't quite know how they pick the items they pick, but <laughs> yeah. I figured that one out. So if yeah. you do, let me know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and my theory on that is I, I think it's a combination of one, you know, the, the volume and bids of all the other competing listings. So, you know, for example, for us right now, I think with our planners, it's a little bit tough. They do show our planner listings, but I think we have a lot of competition. Right. So it's now. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, this time yeah. of year. So that makes it a little harder versus I did notice like in August, September, when I would promote our, our little printable college student planner that was kind of like a test product for us. But that Etsy would show like crazy because I think maybe all the other planners people just weren't thinking about promoting at that time right. and so that was a that was very profitable to to promote that one good to yeah. know and then you can do the same thing next year and Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I do think, I mean, I think the holiday season in general, I definitely have noticed it's like, oh, boy, this is getting, it's getting tricky to, exactly. to promote right now. But I would say for you, it's great because your product is more unique and more niche and so, or niche, however you want to right. say. So, yeah, so it's, it probably is a bit easier for Etsy to be like, yeah, this is a great listing, you know, vintage tea towels, let's, you know, we're going to give it to her and yeah. there you go. I've been seeing it lately. Oh, and so. <laughs> oh awesome. Um, the other thing I was going to mention real quick is I think so it's a combination of the competition between, you know, you and all the other sellers and what they're bidding and what you're bidding. But then I also think it's the conversion rate because I think that, you know, once Etsy kind of sees like, hey, we tried promoting this for you and you got like a lot of clicks and nobody purchased. Right. From right. those clicks, then they're like, okay, we're moving on because you're, this item isn't profitable for us. So we're going to try out somebody else's item to see if we can, you know, get them the sales. So totally I think. I agree. I like yeah. that theory. <laughs> right. Because ultimately, Etsy's trying to make money yeah. from not only your promotion, but then also they get a cut of your sales. So exactly. It's all their money making scheme That's as right. well. That's right. <laughs> I, I was curious, Cindy, with so many items in your shop, mm -hmm. how are you keeping track of all the inventory that you have on hand? Well, I it's pretty simplistic. I'm staring at it right now. I have everything in these big, tall Tupperware drawers, and I'm, I keep them pretty well organized. I divide everything into towels and tablecloths and handkerchiefs and napkins. I keep everything separate so I can find them easily because I've had those nightmare, you know, situations when you can't find something. I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys, but so I try to be as neat as I can. And then my collectibles I have in these wooden shelves and kind of wooden cubbies. It actually looks like I have a little store in my house. I just try to keep it as neat and clean as I can. My room is, doesn't look like that, but my inventory is very neat. <laughs> I think that sounds like a great system, and I, I'm a little envious, I think, that storing tea towels sounds 
kind of nice, <laughs> you know, the fact that they can fold up. That's Exactly. That's nice. they, they stack up neatly. And another nice thing about them is that they're super easy to ship. And that's the part I love because it's they're small and they're light and they're, you know, easy to wrap and stick in, a, in an envelope. That that is nice to have a an item that doesn't cost much to ship because I customers are always weighing that against should I purchase or not with the shipping cost. So that's nice when your item automatically is cheap to ship. It is. It's very nice. And then I also offer um, a special which I've done from the very beginning and that I think has encouraged a lot of a lot of buyers to buy more is that when they buy two or more details, then their shipping is free. And I just reimburse them. And I think, you know, a lot of people have, I guess, you know, purchased more than one because that's special. That's great. So, Cindy, I know we've talked about a few of the ways that you've kind of changed and adjusted over the years when it comes to selling on Etsy. But I was just curious if there is any, anything else that you kind of continue to change or that you've learned over time that you could share with everyone. Oh, yeah. I've got some... I guess kind of recommendations of things that I, I kind of wish, you know, looking back that I wish I would have done. The biggest blunder that I made was not building my email list. And I think back and I, you know, I've had thousands of customers and I was not collecting their email addresses. And I, that would have been so nice to have an email list to be able to send them out, you know, some kind of newsletter with just articles about, vintage or, you know, letting them know when I was having sales or just when I listed new things. So anybody new that's starting out, try to get, you know, they have those easy MailChimp or Mad Mimi now. You can get people to sign up for an email list because I can't go back and ask them, you know, that's considered spam. So that's now I'm now I'm starting to collect them my my emails and hopefully I'm going to start trying to send out a newsletter in 2016. Can I ask Cindy where you put that that link? Do you put it on your about page or in the thank you note to a sell when well, you make a sale or yes to all the above. <laughs> okay. I've got okay. it everywhere. You know, in the automated note, I have it on my about page and I think I have it on my just the profile page. It's a dead link, you know, so it. We'll have to copy and paste it, which is a little bit of an issue. But slowly but surely, I'm accumulating emails. And the other thing I would maybe suggest to people is make your own website. You know, I, I would like to do that in 2016. I actually just bought a domain name. And I think I don't necessarily want to sell on another website, but I do think it's nice to have a place for people to go. And it you know, helps you establish your reputation as a as a seller and a dealer. And then my idea would be to funnel them back to my Etsy site. The other thing, you know, I, I thought about doing but have never done is a blog. But I, yeah, I've got so much free time that I probably could do a blog, but I'm actually enjoying, you know, this non-structured time in my life. And I think to be a successful blogger, as you ladies know, you have to do it consistently and and provide good content and good pictures. Something else I'm not very good at is self-promotion, and I, I want to try to guest post on different blogs and maybe try to get my products featured more on blogs and in articles. So those are some of the things that I would recommend to people just starting out. Do you guys have anything else to add? <laughs> <laughs> those are great tips. I think the email list for sure, and I wish – 
You know what? This is reminding me. I want to pitch to the Etsy blog on that because <laughs> they need to have more focus on there when they talk about, you know, all the Etsy seller help that they give. There yeah. is not very much focus on email marketing. And Sarah and I have seen from our, you know, having brilliant business moms. I mean, we make or at least so far, I suppose now we have our new Shopify store and we're getting a lot of traffic from Pinterest and, I, and, you know, and sales that way. But like when we launched our planner for this year, I mean, by far, the sales come in through our email list. Right. You know, that's right. how we've built that relationship. People hear that, hey, the planner is out and then that's how they buy. Right. And so, yeah, I think so many Etsy sellers would benefit from putting a focus on email marketing. And, you know, like you said, you don't have to to have your own website to start doing that you can you know it doesn't have to be crazy complicated difficult uh, whatever but it's oh it's so effective I so. agree and I wish they would it would not be a dead link or they would somehow yeah. you know create we could create one from there I just think it'd be so effective I think it's yeah. it would you know increase their total sale you know their bottom yeah, line too that's true. Yeah, because I, I was just thinking about that. I was like, I wonder if they don't let you have a live email sign up because they're like, oh, now that customer's like yours and you could sell to them a different way off of Etsy. But like you said, you know, so many people just they don't want the hassle of setting up their own shop, of going outside of Etsy. But again, yeah, through their email list, they're just going to point those people right back to Etsy. So there's yeah, there's more sales for them. I agree. <laughs> Come on, Etsy. If That's anyone's right. listening, <laughs> give us live links on That's our right. email, email sign-up. Do you think it is, and I'm asking this question to both of you, I guess, Bethany and Cindy. Do you think it is bad, though, if you have a – so within Etsy, you have access to an email address, not in a neat format, but each – with each purchase, you can click yes. and get the actual email address right. of each person. Mm -hmm. But do you think, since they did purchase from you and you have the email address, like to me it seems like it would be okay to send them an email and at least you could ask, do you want to join the email list for, like you could do an opt-in. Right. Do you want to join the email list for Nito Keen to get, specials and coupons and things like that. To me, that that doesn't sound like spam, but I wonder if the Etsy guidelines are super particular about that. Well, I think they, I've been, I'm kind of nervous to go back. You know, I think it's, if it's mm. a current transaction, I think it's fine to ask them, you know, right then and there, but I don't, I don't want to jeopardize it, my shopping anyway. <laughs> so I, 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 um, I don't know, Bethan, do you know, is it considered spam to go back and ask them permission to use their email you know I yeah I don't I don't know I mean I think you have a good point there Cindy especially since you've been on Etsy for quite a few years that you know someone who bought five years ago from you is going to be like what you know if they, Ooh, if they haven't right. ever. <laughs> yeah so that you might get you might get so many people like reporting you in or something that it would not be good but yeah, you know, we should ask Melissa Kaiserman. I'm sure she, right. <laughs> I'm sure she yeah. knows the regulations the inside and right. out. I mean, yeah, I, I'm definitely of the opinion that you know, hey, if a if a customer recently bought from us, then I'm going to, you know, or we're going to find a way to reach out and tell them that we have good content to send them to their inbox, kind of thing. Exactly. But yeah, exactly. 
Well, if you find out, let me know. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. But you're, I think you're right too, Cindy. The recency is a huge factor in how far that makes sense to go back right. for sure. Right. So Cindy, since you have been on Etsy for several years now, what are some things that you think you have done really well on Etsy? Okay. Well, I, we've talked about product. I think that's, you know, offering the best possible product that you can. That's an easy one. And I think I have really good communication. I, right when somebody purchases something from me, I write them a note thanking them and just telling them that I'm going to send it out soon and I hope they enjoy it and, you know, please come back and see me again. It's just a, it's just kind of an extra acknowledgement. There's a lot of discussion about that in the forums about whether you should do that or not. But when I'm a buyer on Etsy too, and, and it's I just think it's kind of nice to hear from the seller that they received your purchase and they're working on it. So I like that. And then I have a lot of communication with past buyers. You know, a lot of people ask me to find specific things for them. And so I if I do, I get back to them and I just think I'm a pretty good communicator. I like to ship quickly. That's important to me. I'm kind of neurotic about that. (laughs) I get it out the next day or over the weekend. I try to get it out on Monday. I've done a pretty good job of fostering repeat business. And I always put a coupon code in every package and they can use that discount code on their next purchase. And I've gotten a lot of repeat business from that. The, The other thing I... I really think is important is to participate in teams. I'm a member of, I don't know, about 20 teams, and I I really participate in all of them. It it doesn't take me much time every day, but I, you know, I join in on the conversations or I promote my items and then I promote my team members' items. I think that's important and it's good for information sharing. Then I've, I've done a pretty good job of learning SEO, and I'm constantly using the stats that Etsy gives us. And, you know, I think it's a great website for that. It sounds like you're doing so many things right, Cindy. And I love your focus on just excellent customer service because, you know, in your particular niche, you will find those kind of raving fans who just love your tea towels. They're they're kind of like you, you know, they just it's something that they think is super fun. They're right. going to come back for more. And so by you just doing an amazing job, it, it's a no brainer for them to just keep coming back to your shop. So I, I think that's great. Yeah, it's really um, fun to meet people that have, you know, share the same likes and are enthusiastic and they like to talk about it. So that's been one added bonus that I really didn't even think would happen. But I've met a lot of people that are as crazy as I am about about (laughs) linens. So just, I guess, reassuring. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. That's cute. That's, yeah. Which that, that actually gets me really excited for if you did start your own site, Cindy, that'd be really fun to kind of have that community for everyone who's obsessed with vintage linens. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Not sure how big it would be, but would be small and mighty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's how I kind of view brilliant business moms. Like we're a community of like, I don't know, kind of nutty women pursuing these crazy <laughs> dreams right. that everybody else thinks we're, you know, a little bit off our rockers, but we were that. going at yeah. it. <laughs> we're having fun. Yeah, very much. <laughs> 
Cindy, do you have any other tips that you could share for somebody else who wants to sell an Etsy or who in particular is excited to maybe get started in vintage selling? Sure. I We had talked about this a little bit before, but just kind of realized that your shop is always a work in progress and that you, you, know, you always need to constantly be learning about any changes that Etsy makes and always tweaking things in your listings. And another thing that I think is important is to weather the highs and the lows. You know, as retail is can be kind of inconsistent sometimes. Sometimes you'll go through a period when you have a lot of sales and then other times you'll go through. I've had a, a solid week where I haven't gotten one sale and you really feel like you've just dropped off the face of the earth and nobody wants, you know, vintage linens anymore. So I think weather the lows and cherish the highs is what I like to tell people. You know, it it can be inconsistent and just kind of know that's coming. Another thing is just to be patient and be persistent and always try to learn things. I think, like I've said before, I've learned so much from your podcast. That, that's helped me. Even if the podcast isn't particularly directed toward an Etsy seller, if you're speaking about blogs, there's still always something in there. I like to call them little golden nuggets that I, that I learn along the way. That's great advice for anyone in business, really, whether they're an Etsy seller or otherwise. And I did want to ask you, in an email to us, you mentioned that sometimes it can be a challenge being a vintage seller on Etsy that's known for more handmade products. What are some of those challenges specific to vintage sellers? I think vintage sometimes takes a backseat to the handmade. Particularly, I noticed that when they were going public that a lot of the articles that came out just mentioned that it was a handmade artisan site and they wouldn't mention vintage nor would they mention that that there are a lot of supplies available on Etsy. I think it's it's an uphill battle. I I think it's one that, you know, a lot of vintage sellers complain about it in the forums. And I just kind of encourage people to support each other and promote each other. And the more that we can get the fact that vintage is a part of Etsy, even though it's probably, I think it's about 20% of all the total items on Etsy. So definitely not the majority, but we're here and we're strong and we're mighty and I sometimes, you know, if in an Etsy email, if they have several vintage items to click on, then I will find the person who put together that email at the bottom, like an Etsy finds email, and I will just send them a note and just say, thank you so much for including vintage in your email. So we just keep at it and letting them know that we're here. But it is a challenge. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I think that's a great idea to let at the Etsy staffers know, though, that you're like, hey, thank you. Thanks yeah, for doing right. This. We're, we're still here. Keep talking right. about us. And, you know, I have to say for me, I feel like it's so natural for there to be vintage items on Etsy because Etsy is all about unique, quirky, kind of one-of-a-kind right. items, and vintage fits that so well. I mean, that's I just right. And there's nothing that. more green, really. I mean, we're recycling and reusing. <laughs> it's very yeah. environmentally <laughs> right. friendly. <laughs> very true, Cindy. <laughs> so, Cindy, it's been really great hearing from you today all about your vintage store on Etsy, Nido Keen, and all the great advice you have for our listeners. 
As we wrap up, do you have a funny or adorable mom moment that you could share with us? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I have lots of them, but I was reminded of one over Thanksgiving. We, I actually lived right next door to my parents for the first 10 years of having children, which was wonderful. It was so fun to be next door to them. And over Thanksgiving, the people that live in the, my old house invited us to come back over and to look at the house, which was so much fun. It was literally like I felt like I hadn't left 15 years ago, like it was just yesterday. And so we were walking around the house and we were in the kitchen and I was reminded of this crazy story that we call the great cheese incident in my family. And I had pulled out of, of the refrigerator a bag of grated cheese. And, but the problem was that it was open and it was upside down. So it spilled all over my kitchen floor. I mean, it was almost two pounds of cheese. And my youngest daughter was kind of sitting on the floor and somebody cried in the other room. And I ran out and, you know, put out that fire, came back in and the cheese was totally gone. I mean, just disappeared. (laughs) And I was like, oh, honey, that's so nice. Thank you for coming. I I think she's about 18 months old. I'm like, thank you for cleaning up and and then I started thinking, well, that's so weird. She wouldn't have done that. And then I look on the floor, and there are lick marks all over the floor. She ate the entire, like, two pounds of grated cheese. Like, oh, my gosh, should I call poison control and say, been a cheese overdose? I mean, I just – and then my floor, I'm sure, was not clean, you know. Totally disgusted, so – Nothing happened to her. She had a big smile on her face and she licked all the cheese off the floor. So I love that it has a name. Yeah. The great oh, cheese yeah. incident. Oh, that's funny. Stories like that. Parenting lapses and But they're all survived and they're all doing fine, so That's the important that's point. They all survived. <laughs> Well, thank you again, Cindy, for chatting with us today. This has been a lot of fun, and you're doing an amazing job with your shop. We've definitely learned a lot. As we wrap up here, can you tell everyone one more time where the best place for them to find you online is? The best place to find me is just at my Etsy shop and Nito Keen. And if you, there's a contact shop owner button right on the front page. I also have a Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook accounts. And if you look on my about page, there are links to each one of those too. And you can contact me through any one of those. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Cindy. Thank you, ladies. I really appreciate For the show notes, head to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash BBM125. I promise you we did not coach Cindy to say all of those nice things about our book, Time Management Mama, or the Get Found Guide to Etsy that Bethann created. I promise that those kind words were all genuine Cindy. But if you are interested in checking out any of our products that she happened to mention during the episode, you can find them at brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash shop. I hope you're having a great day. Now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant.